morning, the brave ones that got out in the ice and the snow. Have you ever raised kids? We have five in our home that we raised, and uh, you, if you're the mom or you're the dad that's been there all day long, and you know what I'm talking about, um, you love them to death, but they're within an inch of their life, you know what I'm saying? And you wanted to, and you have to go to the bathroom, and so you go in and you lock the door for just a moment of quietness, and then these little lips are on the bottom of the door, and they're going, Mom, 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 Mom. Or if it's Dad, you know, you say that until you, your head explodes. Uh, if you've ever been there, you know the need that we have to have a community to help us with our kids and raising our kids. If somebody has helped you with your children within the church and, and raising them and training them and taking care of them, if you've had children that's been helped by the church, would you lift your hand? Okay. When Vicki and I were, we had started a church in Mount Vernon, there was a lady by the name of Flora. We called her our second grandma. She kept our kids down here, fed them candy. They have diabetes today, but we fed them candy and just kept them for us and we're so thankful for Miss Flora. If you ever faced a difficult time with your kids or a difficult question with your kids or went through a season with your children and you came and asked for some help or for some prayer, if you were that, lift your hand. If you ever brought your kids and say we need help in this. We all, I think many of us have done that. Have you ever been to the grocery store with normally well uh, behaved children and they lose their mind have you ever been there pulling things off shelf and just throwing a fit I'm not sure why that happens but it seems like it does then you are a part of this group today you've probably heard of that African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child well kind of simply means that we all need help in, with our children we all need grandmas and grandpas, extra grandmas and grandpas. We need uh, aunts and uncles within the church that love and watch and protect and care for our kids. I think we all need that whether we know it or not. And in a community or a, a village, that would have been easy. It, you know, like an African village that would be closed in an internal community. It takes the village to raise that child. It gets more difficult when you get into a modern America and the neighborhoods now may not be quite as safe as they once were 50 years ago, 75 years ago when your kids could go out and spend most of the day out and about and come in at dark. That was kind of my raising out on the farm. We were just out all day long. Parents had no idea where we were and we'd hear this yell about dusk, time to come home. So everybody kind of heads back to the home. We couldn't do that today in a suburban or an urban setting just because of the dangers that are out there for our children. But it still takes a village, even though it may be declining in our culture, it still takes a village for us to be able to raise our children properly and effectively. I think there's been some things, and I don't want to stay on the negative too much, but I think there was... There's been some decisions, even by our highest court in the land, which has begun to cut against or cut out the foundations of which our culture was based upon. Uh, in 1968, 
they remove the concept of creation in education. So therefore kind of removing the necessity of God. And so that was, and nobody really saw that as a huge deal, but it undermines all of the foundation it began to shake. And then in uh, 2004, our Supreme Court said, no, we can no longer have the commandments of God within a public world, in a public setting, like a school or whatever. They have to be, we have to separate that from the secular world. And when we did that, we lost the, the fence of protection. We kind of lost the guideline of here's what's not right. Here's what's normal. Here's what's healthy. And when that is removed, you, you know who gets to make that choice, right? Individuals. It begins to be very subjective of what's right and what's wrong. I believe that under that cut out some more of our foundation. And things begin to shake and quiver as a culture. And then in uh, 2013, as our Supreme Court again, and uh, they're supposed to be the wisest people on the planet, they decided to read define marriage and said that evidently God's plan who is the creator and the designer evidently God's plan is not good anymore and that means you can marry anything anyhow any way you want and I have to say that I think the foundations crumbled even further and that was just uh, just a few years ago that those things were happening you see we not too long ago we would be strongly considered a Christian nation across the board. Not too long ago, it was normal, at least, and what I'm saying not too long ago, 50, 60 years as a history. When I went to school, they asked every Monday morning, where'd you guys go to church? Or did you go to church? Raise your hand. <laughs> they checked, now you'd throw you in jail, probably, if you did that. So we went from being a Christian nation to, not too long ago, it kind of changed to a, what they called, I think maybe five, eight years ago, to what they described as post-Christian nation. And if you've not heard, they have actually, cultural science, those that study the cultural science have said that we are now an anti-Christian nation. Example, our vice president's wife this past week is under attack for working in a Christian school. Just, we see that happening so rapidly. See, the enemy of God has always been. He's going to be here until the end when he is put down uh, finally. And he will be put down. But until then, he's still, he's getting better at better and better at stealing, killing, and destroying. He, was, he started with that vision in mind. And I'm telling you, he's good at it. If you don't know, just talk to some of the people around your life. And hear what the enemy has done. What he has stolen. How he has lied to them. As this continues and darkness gets darker and darker on the planet. Then these neighborhoods that we live in really are getting less and less safe for our children. You know, I don't know how many of you in an urban or suburban world would turn your kids out in the neighborhood without watching them. Keeping an eye on them. Hopefully you still have a neighborhood that has that safety, but I don't think that probably many do. Today, more than ever before, I'm going to pre present to you that the biblical community of the church is vital for the success of raising a healthy family.
The biblical community of the church is vital for the raising of healthy children. And the further it gets messed up in our culture, the more important it is that it happens within the life of the church. If you want your kids to be in a group where they can be encouraged, loved, protected, trained with the foundation of truth, you would want your children, your elementary children, you want them in this children's ministry that Anne has developed for us. And many of our people work in there every Sunday or on rotation trying to give our children the very best environment to where they can be trained up, where they're loved, they feel safe, and they're given the foundations of Scripture, the truth. That is so important. They're not going to get that anywhere else except in your home, hopefully, every day, and then in the house of the Lord, the community of the church. If you wanted your teenagers, if you want them, if you want to make it through the uh, volatile time of teenager life, it's important that they be moved into a, or a part of a group. Have you ever heard it said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? That's so important in the teenage realm. Because as teenagers begin to shift from the main influence of mom and dad to the main, the greater influence begins to be the peer group that they're associated with, then the church community is so important. That's why Fraser and Christina are here now to help us build that, that community for teenagers where it's safe, it's strong, and, and they're going to be challenging them to a full-hearted commitment in Jesus Christ. You will want your kids to be a part of it. If you're an adult, we need fellowship. We have time that as, a, as we get a little bit more me-oriented as a culture, we, we, we drive into across the moats into our garage and close the garage door and then go into the basement and pull the curtains down and we kind of isolate a lot. But I'm telling you, the, we're built for fellowship. We're built for relationship. And if you want that, Liz has been working with some of our great Bible teachers and they have groups going early Sunday, later Sunday, some on Sunday night, where you can build fellowship or community because we need it. We need to be connected with one another. A lot of discipleship happens when we're in relationship. A God-centered, healthy community. Vicki and I got to spend Saturday with our joy group. TK and Noki developed a once-a-month event there. Man, it was so fun. We played cards and cheated and laughed and ate. And it was so fun to do that. We just went home and said that was just such a joyful thing to do. So TK and Noki, thank you. Joy Group, thank you for letting us be a part of it. It's a healthy community. Give you a spoiler alert right here, okay? At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you on this day to do a self-check, a self-evaluation, if you will. And I want you to begin to look at what is my personal commitment and my family's commitment to the Lord and His community, His church, His fellowship. I'm going to ask you that. You'll have some options of ways to find where you fit within that. But I want to, I'll want to ask you, what, what do you think is happening? I want to do also a biblical search for what does this community look like. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Acts chapter 2. 
I'm going to show you here how this early church, how this early church looked inward, upward, and outward. And how it was shown in this passage in this early church. And now there, these are Jewish people who heard of the message of Jesus Christ and found out or accepted by faith that he is the Messiah. The one their forefathers had told them about for centuries. That they met Jesus and they committed their life to follow the Messiah. And this event happened in Acts chapter 2. It was a pretty major event. I'm going to start in verse 42 of, of Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled at awe, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, if you know the story just a little bit earlier, the coming of the Holy Spirit after Jesus had had died on the cross and ascended into heaven after 50 days on the earth following that. And when he went away, he said, I must go so that the comforter, the spirit may come and do a work. And the spirit's period of time is with birth of the church. So when the spirit entered for the first time, it also developed or birthed the body of Christ. What is it? Is it a religious organization? No, it's, a, it's individual people redeemed by Jesus Christ, and then pulled together to form a body. And we are all a part of this body. Different roles, different functions, none better and none lesser, just all uh, joined together to make the body of Christ work. And that's why we'll see that being a part of the church is something I, I don't hesitate to say you as, to you is important. Because if, we, if you took your eyeball out, and you set it on your dresser by your bed. First, you'd be weird. Second, it would be useless to your body if you're out walking around and you left your eyeball on the side of the bed. What I'm saying to you is we are parts of the body of Christ. And without you, without your role, then we, this body of ours becomes weak or blind or lame or deaf or dumb because of the function that we each have. It's so vital that we do that. It's a new community. In verse 41, look at what they did. <clears throat> these 3,000 people, these 3,000 Jews from all over the country, speaking different languages, came together, and they met Jesus and gave their life to Him. And when they did, it, it totally transformed how they viewed their life, how they viewed their pocketbook, how they viewed their home, how they viewed everything that was made up of their life. They had a new devotion. Look what they were devoted to. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. They devoted themselves to these things. Now, think about just a moment. When these Jews 
started following this, they considered it a cult at a time, at that time, started following Jesus, they more than likely found some rejection from their home. They probably found some rejection from their, their uh, Jewish family, from, their, from the temple, because they had chosen to follow the way of Christ. So, when they accepted the Lord, they needed a family to be a part of. So they devoted themselves to what the apostles were saying to them about Jesus and who He was and what He was doing. They devoted themselves to that teaching. They devoted themselves to that time of fellowship with those new believers. If you are rejected at home, if you are rejected from your background, you're going to need something. You're going to need to be a part of a fellowship. And that's why a church family, and Hamlin, I want to tell you, commend you as the effort that you put in to ask or bring new folks into your fellowship. Because you do that well. I don't know that we can ever do it good enough, but you're always looking for the one that's by themselves, that's alone, that's new. And you want to pull them in and bring them in to be a part of our life. Because we don't know where they came from. We don't know the rejection they've faced. We don't know the challenges that they've had. And they need a fellowship. Thank you for doing what you do. And let's keep that up. The breaking of bread. They probably, that was possibly at this point. The, they would observe the supper of the Lord. Where they would take the bread. And remember Jesus dying on the cross. They would take the cup. And they would remember the blood that he spilt. So they would make that as a part of their worship. And then they said that they prayed. It's a new community. It says they had everything in common. Interesting, huh? How could that happen? So diverse people from different parts of the world at that time. And they came together and it says everything was common with them. The Lord really did a major work in their life. The picture is of unity and compassion. And that flies in the face of that which has crept into modern America church in Radical individualism that is pulled in. That's, that's something that we have to fight within the body of Christ. That it's all about me and how I want it, how, when I want it, and the length I want it, and the loudness I want it, and the type I want it. You know, we begin to turn it in on, and it begins to be about us. And that's radical individualism. And I know America kind of, we fuel that, you know, the strength of the individual and freedom. And that's good. I'm glad we have a country like that. But for the body of Christ, radical individualism is the eyeball sitting on the counter by the bed. It separates us. It weakens us. It just doesn't work well. Over the many years of doing this, I've kind of seen a level of involvement develop. I actually probably just seen it in my life as much as anybody. But I've seen a level one entrance into the church many times is based upon this question. What can you do for me? What can you do for me? Do I like the music? Do I like the preacher? Do I like the, the colors in the room? Do I, what, is it, it's about me. And that's okay because we all come to the Lord at many at different levels at different times. But the danger is if we stay there, then the church begins to be divided, although we gather once a week, we, then we get divided up. Then there's a level two that happens after you've been here for a while. You say, 
wait a minute, it's not just about me. Because I begin to notice other people and their situation and their life. And they've got issues and we want to, you know, you begin to be more aware around you. Then I've seen that grow to the third level. And these folks say, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This is about what Jesus Christ is doing and I need to be a part of it. And then I've seen a fourth level of growth that said, it is about me serving the Lord and His kingdom and do what He says, say what He says, and being a part of advancing His kingdom. So I see those levels that are potentially there. The picture painted in Acts doesn't really give you that option, really. Because it says when they came to the Lord, everything they had was in common with all those other folks. I think that's awesome to see that. See, we have to have this inward posture. The church community looked inward. We need encouragement. Because there are days I am full of faith. And I pray for you on anything. Just, I know God's going to answer it right then. There are other days my faith is weak. And I need a brother or sister to come up beside me and say, Remember what God's word says. Stand strong in what the word of God says. So you understand we need that for one another at times, right? Encouragement. Be strong. Be bold. Stand up. Don't just lay there. Get up. Be a part of the body of Christ. We need that encouragement. We found that in Colossians 3 and Hebrews through exhort, exhortation to don't give up. Have you ever been in the days? I have been there many days. When I was driving home from preaching a, an amazing sermon, I'm sure it was, and say to my wife, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. Got hurt, got hurt, got, you know, things got hard, whatever happened at the, day, at the time. I need somebody to come alongside and say, let me hold your arm up. Another guy, because hold me, hold, let me hold your arm up. Don't stop. Be faithful. Do you need that? I need that. And I know you will need that on days. We need the body that comes around us. There are some days that I couldn't even stand, quite honestly. I had no strength. But just to know that there are people actually hold you. And they pray for you. And they speak life into you. I'm so grateful for that. I don't know about you, but sometimes the burdens have been so great. Health issues. Children issues, church issues. And you share that and you just watch a whole bunch of folks just come around. Begin to lift up the name of the Lord. They say, they, they say don't come magnify this problem with me. They say, come let's magnify the Lord together. And let's see that He will remain faithful in the midst of this valley. We must constantly resist the me mentality of the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm talking to me more than to you. Resist the me mentality. Remember, today more than ever before, the community of the church is vital for the successful raising of our children. The second thing, the com church community, they looked upward. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I know the, the, the apostles said, Let's look at God of the Old Testament. Let me show you how Abraham, uh, Abraham's seed is promised to be the, the Savior. He's going to bring the Deliverer. 
And this is all happening, and now Jesus is that seed of Abraham. I start a new series next week called Truth in the Midst of Lies. And in there, Paul says he didn't talk about the seeds of Abraham, but the seed of Abraham. And that Abrahamic seed protected all the way through all those stories of the Old Testament, through the New Testament, up to the time that Jesus was born. He is the seed, promise. God gave to Abraham. I know they taught that to that early church. They would teach each other and exhort one another. They also experienced the awe and the wonder. This, honestly, uh, and I've talked to my class on Wednesday night, where the apostle said, I didn't come in demonstration of the of vital words of men or in... Uh, uh, lofty words of men. He said, I came in demonstration of the power of Christ. And did you see what was happening among the, the apostles? It says all the people were in awe at the miraculous things that were being done. Now we can develop a theology if you want. I've been a part, I know some people that have this theology that that was just a New Testament thing. That, was, that ended because we shouldn't expect God to work in miracles today. We could do that if we want. And I understand why we develop it. Because we're not seeing it. But if I understand scripture. It doesn't say anywhere after that. That that changed. Because if I remember Jesus said on his exit. He says greater things than you've seen me do. You'll be doing. When's the last time you saw a blind guy see? A lame man walk. Sick man heal. Dead man raise. Is there a possibility that the level of his expectation is here and we're here? Is it possible? It troubles me, I'm telling you. Not about you. It troubles me about me. Because I beg the Lord. If these apostles could do, could stand and by faith say, Lord, this is a need, would you meet it? And then just, that the Lord just meets it. He just does it. When that happens, they weren't coming to hear great preaching or good singing. They were coming to see God work. And I want that. I've seen the best preachers on the planet. And I've listened to the best music has ever been sung on this side of heaven. And I'm telling you, you give me a place where God is moving, I'll take that over anything. I don't care where it is. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it looks like. But if we see God moving, people are going to come and say, I need that. I need Jesus. That's why we need the church community. They looked upward. Third thing, the church community looked outward. Verse 47 says, Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, my toes hurt today. Our altars are way too empty of people not getting saved. And until that breaks our heart, until that causes us to get on our knees before God and repent, Lord, forgive me for so much me 
in this thing. And then our vision is as we get the heart of the Lord, our heart is going to have to go for those who don't know Him. It has to go toward those who do not know Him. Remember what the Lord told us for this year as a church family? Unleashed. I want you to get out of the outside of the walls and I want you to get into the neighborhoods. I want you to get outside of your home and go to your neighbors. I want you to get outside of your home as a church and I want you to go on a mission. And we're working on a mission now to Mexico. We'd love for some of you to be a part of. I'm praying for... that's I told you this at the beginning three things I'd like to see Hamlin reach 500 people in the next three years I'd like to see us reach 400 total here not total like that's the end of it but like for us to at least reach 400 here reach 50 in a foreign mission church location that we can partner with and be a part of and then an international or a local one of my thoughts was a north side church in decline or about to close where we could send teams from here to go help establish the work that is struggling somewhere. We've got two of those things that have already happened. Now just praying for this church who would be willing for us to share. Some hard questions and I'm, I'm, I'm probably just sharing with you the questions that, re- that I wrestle with. But what is my personal commitment to the Lord, to His community, the church. And where's my passion? You might find yourself in one of three categories. Vicki, you can come up. You may be here and you say, I'm trying to find some answers to my questions. I don't, I've lived long enough now, I don't know what's true, what's not true. I'm trying to find some answers. Is there a God? Does He really want me? Is there a way for me to be right with this God? You may be here like that today, and that's so. Gl- I'm so glad that you are. Fantastic. And you'd say, I just want to know Him. There's a simple line that says, anyone who believes in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're not far away. Anyone who believes in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'd love to have you come. We have some folks that will meet with you. They'll walk you through some scripture to answer questions. And then by faith, we ask the Lord into our heart. Some of you are here and say, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. I love the church, but I'm an ambassador for Him. I'm not selling Hamlin. I'm selling Jesus. And that's who I am. And if you're here full-hearted toward that and a member of the body of Christ, I would say, serve the Lord with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Some may be here and say, I've asked Jesus to forgive me, but my life is just too demanding. I don't have any time to give for community within the body of Christ. I would say this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, I'll add everything else you need. Seek first the kingdom. Uh, fourth one would be I've been saved but I really all I want to do is come and get what I can get when I can get here just to help me through the week I've been there and done that 
I would just encourage you, pursue the Lord with your whole heart. You'll find that He's enough. And everything else we're pursuing is not enough. It'll leave you wanting. Pursue Him with your whole heart. See, the church is an important part of raising our family. As we bring this series to an end about DIY family. If you've not met Him, if you do know Him, but you're not pursuing Him, if you're... uh, a casual attender, but not committed, I'm gonna, I'd ask you to take a step, wherever you are, take a step further toward the Lord, His community, because there's life here. When He went away, He said, i got to go away so that the Spirit can come. And if you read Acts 2, He birthed something called the church. He didn't, he didn't birth a religious organization or a denomination. He birthed the church. Born again believers who want to serve Him and then partner with others in the body of Christ. That's what we're called to be. I don't know what He's saying to you today, but I would just say, ask the Lord this question. Would you bow your head just ask Him this question? Lord, what specifically did you say to me today? Then ask him, say, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? What step do you want me to take? Then I would say, Lord, give me the courage to quickly and immediately obey you. Vicki and I had a little grandbaby. How old is Colin? Ten weeks. And she's awesome, of course, beautiful, smarter than all other babies. And it's so cool, isn't it? Isn't it cool to have a baby, be able to hold a baby and love a baby? I just love it. I mean, I love it. I love it more when they're about a year or two and they can talk back and fight. I love that more, but love little babies. You know what's weird, though, is if that if Coley, our little baby, in a, in a year from now or two years from now is still a little baby, we got a problem. Something's not right, yes? So when I talk about those different levels, if we've been at a level too long, I mean, it's, it's normal for all of us to come through those growth levels. But if we've remained a baby too long, something's not right. And so I don't know what that do, does to you. But let's be a people that pursues the Lord. We're just going to have a time of worship right now. And I would like for you to respond to the Lord as you need. These altars will be open. I have people that will be here to pray with you if you'd like to pray. Let's stand.